Good morning. It is good to be here this morning. I was thankful for the friendly faces that greeted me um, on this morning and uh, it made me feel extremely welcome um, and at home. The problem is that when you feel at home, you feel at home. So uh, I feel at home. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Luke's Gospel? First chapter. Let me say happy Mother's Day to all you mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers and godmothers and playmothers and uh, happy Mother's Day to you. Uh, we thank God for your pastors, Brandon and Stephanie, for um, the support. Uh, we, I'm also in a um, preaching community with them as well. Uh, at Western Seminary, um, we meet for dwell groups, and so we're we're together a few times a year um, in the scriptures. Um, I won't be really be before you long. Um, I want to share a message with you and uh, share a little bit of my story with you, if that's okay. Um, we want to uh, focus in this morning on Luke's gospel. Um, beginning at the 39th verse, uh, concluding at the 55th verse. Um, Our text reads as follows. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judea. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me? That the mother of my Lord should come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be, to God. Thanks be unto God. Let us pray. 
holy and mighty God. It is us, your body, your people, gathered together in this place of worship, this house of prayer, a place in which we come time and time again to be refreshed, to be refilled, to meet you, to, to see your face, to be helped, to lean in on your grace. God, we come this morning thankful that the veil has been torn and that we could come boldly before your throne of grace. And Lord, we come this morning with a hunger. We come this morning with a thirst, asking that you would feed us from your word, asking that you would allow us to drink from your well that never runs dry. Open our hearts, Lord. Open our ears and our minds. Speak to us. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And oh God, as we come before your holiness, as we look and long to meet you in a unique way through the preaching and the proclamation of your word, we come in sincerity and honesty asking that you would forgive us, that you would forgive us of our sins. That you will wash us and make us white as snow. And we pray, God, that you will send your anointing that makes preaching easy. Help me to speak with simplicity, with clarity, and with power. For your glory, for your name, and for your fame, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. His message was both profound and surprising. She couldn't keep still. In her heart, she believed, but in her mind, there probably was a corner of doubt. She arose quickly. She moved with great speed. There was no procrastination in her bones. If she was driving, she would have been in and out of lanes. Mary is in a hurry. She embarks on a journey that could have been 80 to 100 miles long. This was easily a three to a four day trip. We could only imagine the thoughts that danced through her mind. An angel just visited her. An angel, the, the angel Gabriel. And he had a message that, that, that she would bear and give birth to a son who would be the promised son of David. He would be called the son of the Most High. He would save people from their sins. His name would be called Jesus. I'm sure on her journey, this message rattled through her mind. Sure, she probably wondered, what would people think? Would they believe me? If I told them, and maybe in her mind, she was full of doubts, concerns, and hesitations. Maybe she wondered, is this really true or am I losing my mind? Could this really happen to, to me? Maybe all of this was just fuel for her feet. Maybe her faith mixed with her doubt, gave her the passion to move with great speed. 
See, the angel's message did not just include her, but it included her relative, Elizabeth. Elizabeth had been old and barren. She was unable to have kids. And she was known to be filled with disappointment and disgrace. But Gabriel's message announced that Elizabeth was six months pregnant. Mary had to see. She had to know. If that was true, then for Mary, this was true. Mary arrives in the hill country in the mountainous areas of Judea. She arrives in Elizabeth's home and at the sound of her shalom, at the sound of her greeting, Elizabeth, baby is stirred. Elizabeth's unborn baby seems to worship the unborn king of kings and the Lord of lords. Friends, there is no reason for us to believe that Mary had given Elizabeth a read or digest version of her conversation with the angel. Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and begins to speak prophetically all at the initiation and the sound of Mary's greeting. The ba- and the baby's leaping. And she speaks prophetically. Confirming the very words of the angel, or better yet, the very word of God. And friends, Elizabeth is not quiet, she is not calm, and she is not collected. She is excited, she is thrilled, she is loud, and she is boisterous. Friends, this is a beautiful and majestic and a gospel and a good moment. It is a moment that would have led to them beginning to fellowship in the word. Elizabeth would have shared her journey and the message that she received and Mary would have eventually shared her message and and they have this fellowship in the word of God. One of my spiritual fathers would say it's a kinship, it's a friendship. All that means is they have it a great fellowship. The spirit of God is stirring and Mary just found out that that was true. So now she knows that this is true. Confirmation is a beautiful gift from God, isn't it? Confirmation, it answers our doubts. It calms our fears. It gives us the strength to carry on and the boldness to believe. God used Elizabeth to confirm the message of the angel. Imagine if if Mary would have stayed isolated. She would have never received this moment of confirmation. If she, if she would have stayed off to herself. Friends, that's why the Bible encourages you and I that we will not forsake the assembling of ourselves. As the Bible says, some are in the habit of doing But let us all together come together and encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. God can use us to be tools of confirmation for one another. Somebody needs to hear your story. Somebody needs to hear what God has been doing in you. What God has been doing to you. What God has been doing through you. And not only 
someone need to hear your story. But you need to hear someone else's story. Imagine if Mary would have never shown up. Elizabeth would have never been filled with the Holy Spirit the way she was. Friends, we are often used by God to be conduits of confirmation. That's my conviction. That my story is really God's story. That my narrative it, it, it is, it's just a product of this incredible author that is, is framing a story that points to his love, his kindness, and his grace. So we need to be willing and ready to share our stories. To point to God's love, his kindness, and his grace. I was born in the city of Chicago and community called the Woodlawn community. Very poor and impoverished community. Day or night, I can look out the window and I can find criminal activity. Matter of fact, I didn't have to look out the front window. I could look out the back window. I can leave out of my apartment and go into the apartment across the way with the apartment upstairs. Day or night, we didn't grow up in a Christian home, so there was no Bible in our home. Um, we didn't go to church. I, I like to say that we didn't know God and we didn't have God. And if we did have a God, it was money and we didn't have that. All of my friends growing up, they aspired to be drug dealers and game bangers. They didn't aspire to be accountants, nurses, firemen. So it was natural. Growing up, I too wanted to be involved in gangs, guns, and drugs. So by the early age of 11, I had already developed the alcohol habit. By my early teenage years, 13, 14, I was already involved in gangs, guns, and drugs. By the age of 15, I was in and out of jail. It was at the age of 17 years old that I, I was arrested for attempted murder on a police officer. It was during that time that I went to Cook County Jail. Cook County Jail, matter of fact, it's in Chicago. It happens to be the largest jail site in the country, um, largest singles jail site. At that time, it housed 11,000 inmates on a daily basis. I like to say that Cook County Jail is probably one of the evilest places in the city of Chicago. I was 17 years old, went there scared, frightened. They sent me to the super maximum security division at Cook County Jail. How, 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 how classification works, there's minimum, medium, and maximum. Your maximum security is where your high-profile cases are housed. That's what they sent me. At 17 years old, again, I was frightened, scared to death. My introduction to Division 11, the super maximum security division, was I walked into a cell. There's a Hispanic gentleman at the bottom bunk, and as soon as the door closed, he pulled out a jailhouse knife. Him and I, we start talking right away. <laughs> he began to tell me what gang he was in, and I told him what gang I was in, and we began to have a conversation. For the next year, I found myself involved in all of the craziness and the lunacy that goes on beside prison bars. That was violence, that was drugs, gangs. But I also was dealing with this heavy weight of the decision and the choices that I had made. 
And every day I had to live with the fact of my own guilt and my own regret. And that burden was so heavy. And it didn't matter what I tried to do to medicate my own pain at night. I still had to deal with the consequences of my own choices. And there was further consequences that could come. My charges carried a minimum of 20 years and a maximum of 80 years. Everyone around me was, was being sentenced to, to 80, 100, 200, natural life, double natural life. 17, 18 years old, I was frightened to death. I found myself uh, being there in Division 11 after my first year. Uh, I found myself being moved to another living unit. Particularly this, this living unit was called AF. Uh, I, I initially wanted to go to AF because I heard they had more drugs in that in that particular part. And I felt like I needed more drugs to medicate my pain. But while I was on my way to this new living unit, it dawned on me that this place was a Christian living unit. It was unique throughout all of the jail. Was This was a place where 48 men decided to come and live there and to, to grow in their faith, to be discipled. This place was intense. It was like a Bible boot camp. They had praise and worship three times a day. They had, they had three to four speakers that would come in a day. And then the guys did their own Bible studies. It was intense. It was like Bible boot camp. And it wasn't the life I wanted to live at the time. And so I got there. But when I walked in the door, there was something incredibly different about this place. I didn't have the categories and I didn't know what to name it and how to claim what was so different about this place. But when I walked in, there was this peace that was there. It was the spirit of God that was moving in that place. And I didn't want to leave. Eventually I stayed there for, for a few months and, 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 and I still was going to bed with this heavy, heavy burden. But the burden was different. Before, I had this burden because of my case and my situation. I was burdened with the reality that I may have to spend the rest of my life in prison. But now I was going to bed and I was burdened by the fact that God wanted my life. So one day I was in a cell and God spoke to me. Now it wasn't like spooky. It wasn't like Corey. It wasn't. I was like that, but God, no, God, God spoke to me in my heart. And he's like, Corey, you can't kick against the golds. And it's the same thing that, that he told the apostle Paul. His name was Saul then. Saying, Saul, Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the golds. I can't say I understood what that meant, but at that time I understood it to me that, that if I keep running from God, that I was only going to hurt myself. At that day, at that moment, I got on my knees. I surrendered. I said, Lord, whatever you want to do with my life, you can do it. Just do it slowly. <laughs> Friends, God changed my heart that day. My life had to catch up, but he changed my heart. By his grace, I was released in 2001. Found a church home, served youth, went to Moody Bible Institute, um, came on staff with Chicagoland Prison Outreach. Chicagoland Prison Outreach was the organization that was running that Christian living unit. 2004, I had the privilege to come on staff with them and have been serving there for the last 13 
years. Friends, what, what's so interesting for me is that the fellowship that I had there in the Word of God, being with other believers there in this place that, that the Cook County Jail, the evilest place in the city of Chicago, but there was a place where believers were gathered together. And not only were they gathered together, but they were living for the Lord. And they became living vessels of confirmation for me. Helped me to see that the word of God was true and it was right. And friends, we too can be conduits of confirmation for one another. To help one another. And friends, not not, not only do we see this beautiful confirmation that is here but we also have this benefit of seeing this beautiful celebration that's here in our text verse 46 through 49 mary says my soul magnifies the lord and my spirit rejoices in god my savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary breaks out into praise and worship. She doesn't need an organ. She doesn't need tambourines. She doesn't need guitars. She doesn't need praise teams or choirs or a hymn book. But she breaks forth in raw and real praise. She is not pumped and primed by a holy hype man. But her praise comes from the depths of her being. The Bible says from her soul she praises God. With her mind, her will, and her emotions. Her praise comes from her spirit. Her praise starts with this, from this eternal place. And it leads to an external place. Her lips. She magnifies the Lord. She exalts him with her mouth. She gives him glory and honor. She looks to make God big. She praises God, yes, for this confirmation. But she also praises God for the fact that he chose her. She speaks of her own lower state. She speaks of being humble. So she acknowledges the fact that she needs a savior. There's nowhere here that suggests or or, or gives any illusion that Mary regarded herself as being sinless. Actually, she acknowledges the fact that she is unworthy of such an honor. That she is undeserving to be chosen and to be used by God. And friends, isn't that the case for you and I? You look cute, but God didn't choose us because we were cute. He didn't choose us because we were smart. He didn't choose us because we were gifted. He didn't choose us because we worked so hard. He didn't choose us because we crossed every T and we dot every I. But he simply chooses us because of his grace. He chooses us because of his kindness. It is simply because of his sovereignty. And it's not based on any precondition. And if you are looking for any reason to give God praise, any reason to celebrate God, I can't think of any better reason for us to praise God and to celebrate him, but for the fact that he chose us. Amen? 
And God has chosen us. He's chosen us to be his own. He's chosen to use us in whatever capacity he has placed you in. Mary says she knew she would be known from generations to come. She knew that the work that God was doing to her, the work that God was doing in her, and the work that God would do through her would be an eternal work that will last throughout all eternity. But friends, the reality is, is that, is that God is also doing a work in us, a work to us, and a work through us. It is a gospel work. It is a kingdom building work. And it has eternal ramifications that will, that will last throughout generations and throughout eternity. But friends, this portion of our text does not have the intention that, that, that the fame of Mary or the fame of our name shall last for eternity. It is simply highlighted the fact that our mighty God has decided to choose us. For Mary, this portion of her praise is personal. She acknowledges the great things that God has done for her. And I pray that I will never get over the fact that he chose me. He didn't have to choose me. He didn't have to choose you. The Lord has done great things for us. Mary celebrates God because he chose her. But verses 51 through 55, she celebrates God because he is in control. Look at verse 51. He says, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Friends, Mary is not ignorant concerning theology. Her hymn is filled with knowledge of the scripture. And she praises God for what he has done in the history and the life of Israel. Remembering and recalling how God has been working to fulfill his promises to Abraham. To bring about his plan of salvation. She acknowledges how God has scattered the proud. How he's, how he's humbled the mighty, how he's cared for the poor, how God has protected his name and his people, and how God, like God, turns things upside down. He chooses the weak to shame the strong. He chooses, chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He graces an old, barren woman with a baby. He chooses a young virgin to be the mother of our Lord. She gives God praise because his promises are never broken. Friends, God is never late. He is always on time. I read someone that God is never in a hurry because he has no deadlines to, to meet. 
She gives him praise because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Mary is reminded of all that God has done for his people Israel. Just as you and I are reminded today that, friends, God holds all things together. He is in control. He fulfills his promises. And he is working his plan. And he never forgets his mercy. So we can praise God today for the things he has done. For the things that he is doing. And for the things that he is yet to do. Friends, Mary is giving God praise and Jesus is not yet born. Mary was thankful to God for her salvation. Jesus hadn't even died on the cross. Which reminds us that Mary knew her brokenness. That she had heartaches and heartbreaks. She knew all the pains And the suffering that resulted from the fall. She was human like you and me. And her song of praise comes from a place that God is making all things new. That God is healing the broken and he is going to set the captives free. She sings. While dealing with the pains of life. But her praise is predicated on the promises of eternal life to come. Friends, you may be here today because God wanted to give you confirmation that he is with you. That he has chosen you and to remind you that he is in control. He holds all things together. Yes, like Mary, we sing in our pain while we are waiting on the promise. And I'm convinced that we all need a song. We all need a hymn to sing as we look on into eternity. As we focus on the joys and the grace and the love and the kindness of God. That is and that is yet to come. Sylvia Martin. She wrote the lyrics to a famous song. Her lyrics were inspired by the fact that her and her husband visited New York City in 1905. And it was during that visit that they met a couple, Mr. and Mrs. Doolittle. Real story. They were known to be true saints of God. Mrs. Doolittle had been bedridden for over 20 years. Mr. Doolittle was an incurable cripple. However, this couple were bubbling with joy. They were filled with hope and excitement. And after many years of building this relationship, Mr. and Mrs. Martin could no longer take it. They had to ask the question. Why? Why are you so happy? Why are you so bright? And why are you so hopeful? What is the secret? Mrs. Doolittle simply said, his eye 
is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. She turned to the scriptures. And Miss Martin took the scriptures and made a beautiful song. Moments and days like this, we lean into God's promises as we realize we have our own pain. But we are people that can sing in the midst of pain because we have these great and incredible promises that we've seen God fulfill in the past. And we are experiencing in the present and we know are yet to come. Dr. Martin wrote these beautiful words. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches over me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. Friends, we can praise God for what he's done, for what he's doing, and for what he is yet to do. Let's pray. Mighty and everlasting God, we give you thanks for all that you're doing, for all that you have done, and for all that you will do. We thank you for your son, Jesus, that through him, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. We thank you for what is and for what is yet to come. And we give you praise that you've given us a song. A song to sing in good times. And a song to sing in tough times. But we sing because you are a promise keeper. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.